Welcome to the Business Abundance Podcast, providing the tools and knowledge to help small business owners succeed. For additional resources, visit www.businessabundance.online. Hi, I'm Z, and welcome back to the Business Abundance Podcast. Welcome. Oh, hi, I'm Ian from Plain Black Creative, or Lambo Creative, as Z likes to call us. <laughs> Lambo. Plain Black Creative. Last time we spoke on employee morale, and if you missed that, essentially it will likely require you to change your business or business culture. Um, and generally speaking, if you aren't making that change for the benefit of the business, you're going to have a tough time keeping it afloat. There's a quote that I would like to speak about today, um, and that's, if you stand still on the train track, you will eventually get hit. So in this episode, we want to discuss what happens if you're the one that doesn't want change, can't manage change, or doesn't act on change. Yeah, so if you're on a train track and you stay still, the train's eventually going to run you over. That's pretty straightforward. Um, and s- some smart person out there is going to be going, oh, not if there's no trains running. But uh, if you're on a train track that there's no trains running on, you're probably in some obsolete thing that doesn't exist anymore and you probably shouldn't be there. Yeah, change is super important. If you're in a good place and you just expect the world to stay exactly the same, it's not going to happen. Someone's going to be trying to take your spot. Someone's going to be trying to do, looking at you going, gee, you're doing a good thing. Let's do that. Um, there's going to be external factors, COVID-19, something just comes in, throws a spanner in the works and, and you're not going to be able to just keep doing the same thing. Well, what's good today is not going to be good tomorrow. If you think about if you bought a car 20 years ago, you go, gee, this car's good. Couldn't be any better. And then you drive that now, you go, oh, this is horrid. You've got to keep changing with the times and if you want to be the best and you want to protect what you've got, you can't just sit there and do nothing. Is change the same as innovation? Well, I think innovation is change, but change is not necessarily innovation. Does that make sense? Mm. What do you reckon, Ian? Kodak. 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 Oh, that's a good story. Yeah. Give it to us. Yeah, tell us. Kodak obviously is cameras and film, synonymous with cameras for the best part of a century. And they even developed, one of their employees developed digital camera technology, which was the innovation. (laughs) Speaking of employee-led initiatives from the last podcast. (laughs) And you see that everyone now is digital camera, but this is late 1970s, early 1980s. Uh, Our business model revolves around selling film. Yeah. Uh, Repeat customers buying film. Bring it in to be developed. Bring it in to be developed. Spend more money, buy a really fancy camera, keep buying film for it, keep getting it developed. Uh, So that could destroy our business model instead of pivoting and going, this is the future. This is what's going to be the best solution for our customers. Yep. Uh, We did what was best for our bottom line for a short period of time as Kodak, and now Kodak doesn't exist. Mm. Uh, You either change with the times or the times are going to change past you. Yeah. We'll keep talking about change this whole episode, but I think it's just important on a slightly different topic. That's why a business has to be doing what its customers want. If you don't like your customers, we'll do find some different customers and to sell them what they want. Yeah. But you know, as soon as you stop looking at what do our customers want, are they happy? Are we doing the right thing for them? You know, you've you've lost track one hundred percent of what makes your business successful, and they'll eventually shut your business down by just going, huh, "We don't want to deal with you anymore." Listen, listen to your customers. Um, Yarn at Dannybrog. Uh, his menu this is was, a local cafe yeah, for, for Ian, Ian's local cafe. It's uh, 
was a restaurant, downsized, now it's a cafe. And his secret is his menu is he listens to his customers. You can come in with a fancy menu, a la some places that have been and gone in the last 18 months, uh, but they're not listening to the locals. The locals want meat and three veg. The, the locals want simple. They want to spend... Well, not all the locals, no. but the locals that deal with him. The majority of his customers want nice, simple meal uh, and they come in there for the atmosphere and, and a little bit of entertainment and banter from the proprietors. Yeah. Uh, if he was to start selling foie gras, he'd lose his customers in a heartbeat. Yeah, but in the same respect, a, a restaurant that just sells that, yeah. they're going to have a different customer, you know. For sure. And they start selling meat and three veg... <laughs> so, yeah, they're spot on. You've got to listen to your customers and give them what they want. Another example would be Nokia or Blockbuster. Mm, yeah. Tell us about Nokia. So um, Nokia had some... Some really good phones. Yeah, some very good <laughs> some phones. Some super good phones. Snake. broke. Yes, yeah, Snake. I remember Snake. Hey, how good's that is that another example of looking after your customers? Like, when I, yeah. mobile phones, when I was a kid, like... Texting costs 30 cents a pop, so it was pretty. I think I was 17, 16 or 17. Like, they were big bricks, huge phones. And, yeah, some people had Nokias and they had Snake. And then our phones had nothing. Like, it, it was just unfair. And they grew massively just because the phone had Snake. Yep. Like, I don't think there was any feature aside from that that made them better. They were like ringtones. a nice size. Sorry? Ringtones. Ringtones. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. People used to buy ringtones off a 0055 number. <laughs> <laughs> oh, back in the day. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, customers, what they want, phone, you can ring, you, or you can ring and play Snake, and Snake was awesome. But they had some really good phones. I had an N95, which I think had a Carl Zeiss lens, so that was a digital, Sony digital cameras then were the best cameras. They had Carl Zeiss lens, and that phone had it. It had a flash. It had a GPS. It was made in Japan. Like, it was a sick phone, best phone on the market by far, unless you were sitting in the sun that got out too hot and then shut down. But, yeah, they were they were awesome phone makers. Mm. So, and head of the game. Sorry, is he? No, you're head right. Of the game. Like, everyone's yeah. on their phones now playing games. Yes. Every movie you look back from that period, even if it's an Africa or whatever, there's Nokia phones. Hmm. So what was the thing that brought about their downfall? Like what was that event? Well, it's an interesting one because the, the N95 would be classed as a smartphone. You could look at maps, you could do navigation, you could do all these things that phones couldn't do before. But they were in the phone game. And essentially the iPhones is, is, has been what wrecked them. Um, they were in the game of a snake. Nokia had snake um, and they, they had a few features, which is cool. Now you're a digital camera and now you can do this. Like an iPhone nowhere near could take a photo of what a, a Nokia could and couldn't even until Nokia stopped making phones. Um, but they were like, this one device can do anything. You can have this game, you can do this, you can draw on it, you can paint on it, you can have your, your tune so you don't need an iPod, which again was an MP3 player. It wasn't even the best MP3 player, but um, it had the the iTunes. So it was the easiest mechanism for people to get music. If people knew about MP3s and computer literate, they would just download it and illegally and they could do it. But for everyone else, they're like, I can't get can't get the music so the itunes store basically it wasn't the ipod was better they just had itunes um and then the, the iphone was very similar it had the app store and had all these other things you can do and it was nice usable easy to 
easy to use. People were used to iPods, so that was a big factor. But Nokia just fundamentally didn't change. They kept selling this phone because they were selling phones um, like Kodak. Um, and the game changed. It was now a device that you play games on. You could you have applications on. Um, you do a whole lot of other stuff. It's easy to use. And the Nokia wasn't. Mm. It was also attributed to some internal management decisions, um, some bit of rivalry. I could just imagine that half of them would be like, we want change, and then the other half is like, mm. nah, stick to the old way. Yeah, 100%. Um, That's that uh, core values that we talked about in the last yeah, it podcast. Is. Yep. Well, Strug- yeah, you've got struggles for power inside as well. And Nokia focused on what they did and how they did it, yeah. and Apple have always focused on why they do things. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So what... For small businesses, will be. Can Let's talk about Blockbuster first. You know, that's that's a cool oh, story. Still near to my heart until they closed down. Devonport had one of the last Blockbusters in the in the world. Some of my fondest memories is going to. There's a specific wall that had all the new movies, and you'd look at it and you just. Oh, it was so cool. And there was all these new movies that had just come out because you didn't go to the cinemas to watch it. They'd have that little stand of popcorn, <laughs> the caramelised or coloured popcorn. You'd pick one movie, you're like, I'm going to take it out for two days <laughs> and I'm going to watch it 20 times in that two days. And then you'd get your popcorn, you'd go and you'd get your little takeaway with your family and you'd just sit and watch it. That was just oh, fantastic. That would have been DVDs, yeah, not videos. Well, it was DVDs, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Videos. What's a VCR? Yeah, VCR. <laughs> <laughs> Betamax. <laughs> big brick. Um, yeah, and so that, it was sad as you saw all the blockbuster companies or places close because that's such a, I don't know, it was so nice for family to just sit around and do that. But now there's Netflix, which came about um, for accessibility. Can you tell us? what kind of decisions were made by Blockbuster that caused that? Yeah, I can't remember the details of the story, but it's not so much they... Well, the fundamental is they didn't change. Yeah. Um, and it's more about what replaced it. So you're saying, oh, it's great because you had this popcorn and the family got around and we got to watch the movie 20 times, but you had to go to the shop and then if you didn't return it after two days, you got a $40 fee. And then if you were like me... Because you forgot once, you basically it was in the back of your car, and you, you you didn't remember for a couple of weeks, and then it was like sixty bucks. So this this ten dollar movie cost you seventy bucks, and you could have bought it for thirty, mm-hmm. um, and just became quite a hassle. Which was what it was. So you know that's okay, but you go and you get three movies, and then you try to remember to bring them back, and that was that. Um, but what changed was that there was mail order DVDs. Um, which I think Netflix, Netflix well, started with mail the first or, but yeah. that, that company started with mail order. And my boss at the time used to mail order them. That was the first I ever saw it. I'm like, what is this? He's like, oh, I, I order it. They send it to me. And then I just put it back in the thing and send it back. And they were subscription-based. Yeah. So based on your level of subscription, you could get four movies a month or yeah. six movies. As long as you'd send it back, you could get another one. Yep. If we just think about what you said, it's about the family watching it, it's about the fun, you can watch 20 times and you can do the pop, you can do all that. <laughs> but it's easier. Yep. You don't have to leave the house. You don't. Have, you don't. There's no late fees. That was the biggest thing. There was no late fees. Mm. So what was the biggest thing I remember about renting was the late fees I used to go. It's just like when I go park somewhere that they've got the app now. So just when I park, I can just get the app out. But before that, pretty much every second time I park somewhere, not because I'm stupid, but I'd get a parking ticket. I was too late coming back, or I didn't have the right coin to fit in the slot because it doesn't take a fifty cent piece, or you know I didn't have any coins anymore because who's got coins? Um, 
and then the the apps come along and you just clock in. You know, I do it every time, no problems. So the late fees was the biggest problem that industry had from a customer experience point of view. Uh, so the other thing was distribution. Each shop had to have particular levels of things, whereas they could then go, we don't need each shop. We don't have any of those overheads. We can have huge levels of stock and we just send out what people want when they want it, which is super more convenient for the client. And yeah, that evolved into using the internet to replace the postal service and you can just choose what you want, when you want, in the comfort of your own home. Watch it 20 times. Like you said, you've got to go to the shop and get popcorn to lay in. anymore. Click and collect or have it ordered to your house. Yeah, well, you know, the, one day it might just miraculously appear at your lap, like, you know, with a click of a button, but probably won't. Um, Amazon Prime. Yeah, so it wasn't necessarily, well, blockbuster, what the sequence of events or who did what. It doesn't really matter. Mm. The the fundamental is they didn't change. They were too based on we've got all these shops, how can we make these shops better rather than how can we be better for our customers? And they could have had a subscription model. They could have done what Netflix did. They could have, if someone like me has gone, hey, if you pay us 30 bucks a week, you can come in and grab, you can have three movies at any time. No late fees ever. And they would have got more out of me because I knew, well, 30 bucks a week's cheaper than my late fees I would have gone there more often it wouldn't have I wouldn't have had six movies a week so I don't have time to watch it but they could have done that with everyone in town and it would have been way better but I don't know any video shops that did that I'm not a video shop expert mm. but it's the same thing isn't it yeah. so by not focusing on what their customers wanted and how to best to deal with they were focused on how does our business work better what's easier for us it's so annoying when people don't bring back movies because then no one else can have it so we're going to hit them with late fees there would have been a, a big chunk of that awesome, awesome phrase that a lot of business owners use. We've always done it this way. Yeah. Yeah. This is what everyone else does. Yeah. Um, so they were just thinking, well, this is how it is. So this is what we'll do. Um, and then Netflix come along using the internet and going, well, hang on. We don't need posts. We don't need people to come to the shop. We can literally just send it to their TV. How cool is that? And everyone's gone, yeah, that's cool. And I think Spotify. You don't need iTunes anymore. Like you pay three bucks per song and then you change phones and you lose it all. You uh, just Spotify. I've got 1,800 songs on my like song playlist. Every time a new song comes on, I like it. Every now and then I get bored of my music and I go to Discover and it just plays me songs I like. Um, Amazon, same thing. Here's a shop and here's things, other things people bought. People who like this also liked. Here's things we think you'll like. Much better than a shop. So, yeah. After the break, we're going to chat about um, what this would look like for a small business and how you can manage change. So we'll talk about that soon. small business anticipate change million dollar question well people don't like change for starters do they no. the only people who like change are babies with a dirty nappy <laughs> <laughs> really they don't really like it though do they do they care we, we fear change we're we're wired to fear change so we're yeah gonna, no one wants to change we're going to push against it yeah if you're happy why would you want to change mm. 
I think um, people that have made a lot of money have been able to predict or anticipate what's going on. Um, it doesn't matter industry, in, what industry you're in. Like if you can see, hey, here's a good solution or here's something that's changing and be at the front of that, um, you're going to do pretty well. And cryptocurrency is one of those. Regardless of whether, yeah, regardless of whether it's a good investment or not, um, and there's a lot of people losing money and a lot of people making money, that if you were there at the start and got, oh, that's not a bad idea. I believe in what that Bitcoin's trying to do. And you bought, I remember when they were... 20 bucks. 20 bucks and you probably got 50 of them, whatever it was. And I was like, oh, that's all right. And I was like, no, I'll go down to uh, Video Easy and buy some DVDs. Um, <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Don't, don't know too much about that. But uh, later on, I think they got to $5,000 and they're just going up. And I was like, oh, put a few grand in there because I know the people on the bandwagon are about to jump on, so there's some money to be made. But then once the initial thing sort of went, it's like, well, we'll go up, we'll go down, who knows, we'll do what. It's not going to be – it's not a safe investment, you know, but if you're, you're really just investing on speculation, so it's not a not a great idea. But um, it doesn't change the point. If people see it coming and go, hey, this is going to happen, like this is the next big thing, and they understand it, they research it, you get in there first. There's there's money to be made, but there's also an impact on the world if you can find a new way to do something. If you can find a peg that doesn't break uh, for the clotheslines, you know these little problems people have. If you can solve them, well, if you're on the if you're on the train track, if you stand still, crouch down and listen to the train track, listen for the train coming. Yeah, <laughs> great example. Like, okay, here, here comes here comes a tidal wave of change. Let's be ahead of that bell curve. And we know the bell curve is normally going to be early adopters, early majority, majority, and then you'll have the people that don't get a mobile phone because until the phone, the old dial phone doesn't work anymore. You, you want to be sort of that early majority. And if you haven't seen those early adopters starting to do what they're doing, you haven't been listening. Yeah. Correct. So you've got to listen to your customers. That's right. Talk to them. So something that everyone can do is get feedback and people are afraid to ask for feedback for whatever reason. But if it's bad, you probably want to know about it so you can mm. do something. But people don't mind things bad, things happening. They mind if you don't care or don't do anything about it. Um, but most things, if, if something bad happens, you can fix it and then stop it happening again. Uh, in the same respect, you can ask your customers, what do you want? Um, if Video Easy, Blockbuster, or any video company said, hey, guys, what do you want? Probably everyone would have said less fees, less late fees. And if they figured out a solution to that, they would have been in a better position. Um, they probably would have been much more likely to change their business model. <laughs> um, but they weren't. And, you know, it can be like electricians now. So, you know, Tesla, there's batteries there's solar panels for your roofs, like tiles, solar tiles. There's um, electric cars and you need your charger installed. There's smart homes, smart lights, all this stuff. And the early adopters or yeah, the early majority even is probably getting to that stage for some of that are saying, we want this. Mm. But there's no electricians out there saying, we do smart homes. We are the smart home place. Like, if you want a smart home, come to us and we'll install everything smart into your house. And I know people would pay for that, but there's not a lot of businesses going that way. So, if electricians had were asking their customers, what would you like? 
Oh, yeah, we're wiring your oven, but what else would you like? Tell me about this. They'd probably, you know, hear that this other stuff's happening and maybe we should look into this. Maybe we want to incorporate it into a business. Maybe we don't. doesn't matter. But, yeah, your customers are definitely the first port of call to find out what's going to happen in the future. And the other thing is just your industry. You've got trade shows and, you know, you've got to be interested. If you're in your business and you're sitting there not paying attention to anything, you're definitely going to get overtaken by someone. Google. Google. Yeah, it's pretty pretty easy to to find out the trends. Like we always used to do it in heating and cooling when I was sales and marketing for them. Yes, you'd look at what's happening in Europe. Yep, Europe were ten years ahead of Australia, and Australia was five years ahead of Tasmania. Yes. So what's trending in Europe right now? Let's just put that in our back pocket because we know eventually that's going to be cost effective to do here. Hydronic heating. Yeah. Uh, in slab heating became the thing. How are we heating the water? to pump through your slabs. So mm. be ahead of the game. And it's not that hard to do that anymore. You don't have to travel to Europe to find out what the trends are. You just Skype into a, a supplier over there or even just Google some companies. Well, um, it's interesting you say hydronic heating because we do Google ads for a company and we were advertising something different and hydronic heating came up. I said, well, what about hydronic heating? And they're like, oh, we don't do that. I said, well, gee, a lot of people are searching for it. Mm. And they're like, Really? And they didn't know because they didn't advertise it, so they would have no idea. <laughs> and just through, you know, the fact that we were paying attention to what people, customers were looking for on Google, um, going, oh, this, gee, this market's actually pretty big. So, yeah, just do your research, pay attention. So let's just say someone stumbled upon something that is a good idea to change for. How do they do that? How do they implement that change into their business? Yeah. I mean, we just go back a step first because we're talking about change as far as the big next big idea. Mm-hmm. But you've got changes in, oh, we're going to put a new system in at work today or we're going to change the layout of our office. We're going to move to zero. <laughs> yeah, change our accounting system. Yeah. Um, we're going to stop using paper in our office and we're going to use do things digi- digitally. Um, that's all change that... It's probably a much bigger issue for most businesses. Being able to change your direction is good, but if you've got a good direction, you're paying attention. You don't, you know, you don't need to change. It's fine. But um, yeah, how do you how do you put something in place? Or staff members say, "Hey, this is a good idea. Let's try this." Like, how do you actually get people on board, and how do you do that? Positive change versus negative change as well. Yeah, not all change is good. Um, so, how can you how can you do change? How can you change? Well, just stop doing what you're doing and do something else. <laughs> <laughs> Make it somebody else's idea. Yeah. Yeah, if you've got a team, then you don't necessarily need to tell people what to do. Yeah, but getting them on board or saying, hey, what do you think about this? Because if you tell someone, we're going to change this way, you're going to get immediate pushback. Mm. Especially yeah. if you've marked them up before. Yeah. Whereas if someone comes to you with the idea, maybe a uh, employee-led initiative, <laughs> if you can f- seed that based on conversations, based on lunchroom conversations, based on meetings or what have you, generally people are more open to change if they feel like they're engaged in it or it's their idea. Yeah. Uh, you might have the greatest idea for change and it would be the world, world-breaking world change for your company. Let someone else take the credit for it. Yeah. Does it really matter who gets credit for it? No. Nope. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Um, but, yeah, so... How else can you get people to change? I think getting people on board is the number one. So some people need to be in charge to be on board. Yeah. <laughs> they need to feel like, yeah, this is my idea. I'm going to take credit to be on board. There um, needs to be a need for change. Like if you're yeah. comfortable, you don't feel like you need to change. Yeah. I'm coasting along. This is good. 
why should I change? Yeah. I think um, number one thing with change is you need to be uncomfortable. So always be uncomfortable because change is uncomfortable. So as an organisation, you want people to always feel uncomfortable. Um, there's always a step. There's always something that we've been getting to. There's you know, We're not doing things perfect. Like we've got to get better. We've got to be better. We've got to do something different. We've got to be ahead of these people. We've got to change the world. Whatever it is, you've got to be uncomfortable with the status quo and, you know, um, have that as your culture in the business. But um, getting people on, going back to getting people on board, well, how do you do that? It's got to be in the greater good, you know. So why do people not want to change? Well, I'm comfortable. I've learned this. I know what I'm doing. I'm reasonably confident. I'm going to work. I'm doing my thing. Like, I really like my op. Yeah. I've used it my whole life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, accounting and systems. Then, yeah, I've, my mother-in-law um, has done accounting systems for a lot of different businesses. Okay. And she's always worked with my op, and it took years to get her across the zero. Well, when did she change? Uh, about two years ago. Oh, wow. Flipped over to zero. She hung on. Biggest advocate for zero now. Yeah. <laughs> zero is the greatest thing since lost bread. She probably would have got told about zero 10 years ago too. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, you've got to be, you've got to understand that people have different priorities. So getting people on board, well, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. And this is what it's going to look like. Just like recruiting a person. <laughs> What's in it for you? Just like getting a client. What's in it for the client? Um, the change is this, we are doing it because we've got all these problems. So if you've got an organisation that wants to do good things for the customer, well, change should be easy if it's client-focused. We're doing this because these issues will go away and these good results will happen. People will probably be on board. Yeah, if you've got a business where people don't care about the clients and they just care about what's easiest for them, you probably need to be working on that a little bit, definitely. But you can probably say, this is what we're changing. This is the problem you have with it at the moment. <laughs> You've told us all these things you don't like, and this is going to make your life better. And it'll be pretty stupid if you were changing to make their life worse. So if you were changing something because it made your life better and everyone else's life worse, probably not the best solution. And I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. Oh, I tried to change that, but no one got on board. Yeah, well, because you were trying to change something to make your life better and no one else's. And you didn't communicate. Yeah. Well, yeah, sorry, that could be it too. Yeah. It was good for them, but you didn't communicate that or you didn't communicate that in the right way. It comes down to, at the end of the day, you've got to sell the change. Yeah. Everything sales. Everything sales. Yeah. It doesn't seem so scary. <laughs> like talking about change, when we talk about it like that, it's just like, well, you've got to do it for the survival of your business. So <laughs> what's the issue? That's yeah. kind of like what I'm getting. Well, I think um, when do people change? It's interesting you use the word survival because that's the main reason people change. Mm. So if people things are perfect, no one will change. If something awesome could happen generally people still won't change. Mm. If something bad will happen, generally won't change. If something like we're about to really going to affect yeah. the world, they'll do everything they can to change. Yeah. So be ahead of it. Sometimes people are like you look at <laughs> some shows, you look at things and people get threatened with their jobs if they don't do something and, and then they do it. Mm -hmm. um, you go, gee, that's terrible management style. But literally for some people, that's the only thing that will make them change. But they're not going to leave and go somewhere else because they're too afraid. You know, they want that security. But um, you've got to be able to go think about it's for survival of the business, or it's 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 not just communicating. This is going to be better for us. It's going to be better for the clients because some people still won't care. It's got to be literally. This is if this doesn't happen, the world's over. What's in it for me? Yeah. So, for example, 
It could be if we put this new system in place into our business, our clients will get this, this, this. They'll get the best service they can get. If we don't do it, we're not going to have any clients in two years. No one's going to have any jobs. That's pretty scary. But we're not going to have that problem because we're going to put this in place. Mm-hmm. We're all going to get on board and we're going to do it, you know? Like, it's, there's lots of different ways to frame things. And if you've got the right people in your organisation as a business owner, you can you can vet people at the recruitment oh, yeah. stage. Yeah. How do you cope with change? Yeah. <laughs> Ask the right questions. Yeah, oh, yeah, and it's part of your culture. You need to be making sure that people feel – we talked before in other podcasts about various things, but if people feel supported, they feel confident, they feel like they're part of the team, change shouldn't be an issue. Hmm. It's where people are not part of the team. They don't feel confident. They feel like they're protecting their job or they don't, they're not appreciated. Well, they're going to do the least. They're going to do the easiest thing for them and that change is going to be a huge issue. So sometimes change is really complicated, but it's not the change that's the issue. It's everything else. Mm-hmm. What would be one piece of advice that you'd give to a business facing change at the moment? change (laughs) do it relax yeah it's not as scary as you think it's going to be the anticipation of the event is going to be better bigger than the event itself once you it's true once you like anything once you acknowledge you need change do it and then deal with it because the consequences of not changing in an environment like we're in have been in for the last 24 months uh, can be fatal for a business. Mm. Uh, and if you're a business that decides that, yes, I'm not going to let people work from home or I'm just going to put my feet in the mud and say, we've always done it this way, well, doing the same thing and expecting different results is the definition of insanity. So Smart man said that apparently. Very, very clever chap, I believe. Mr Einstein. Yeah. yeah, and I think, well, everyone has a local town. If you're, even if you're in a big city, is a local suburb and whatnot. And you've got the same sort of types of shops in the city centre complaining no one goes in there anymore and it's dead and it's this and it's that and the, the, the shops are empty and blah, blah, blah and they should have free parking or this, that and the other to get people back into their shops. But when you look at it and you think about it, what are those shops doing differently or good? Nothing. They're literally just complaining because no one walks past their shop and that's the only thing their business had good was foot traffic of people walking past the shop. They don't go, oh, maybe if I did something to get people in my shop, like Harvey Norman, they have the photo centre. Foot traffic, right? Um, They're not going, how can we change this around? Like maybe if I had all my products on a web store, like online shop, maybe people don't buy it online but they can see from home if I've got what they want and got things that they like, which is way more convenient, and then they want it straight away, they'll come down. Mm-hmm. No brainer, right? But no, it's too hard. So I'm just going to sit here and complain and talk to the local chamber of commerce um, and we're going to do what we can do to try to boost the numbers up in town. But they're not looking at their business and how they can change. They're not listening to the customer either. Yeah, so then you've got COVID come through, which is why I was talking about this, and these stores have disappeared because they couldn't, they had no fat. They were just hanging on, not changing. Something bad happens and they can't change. For some of them, though, it was really good. Like they had a bit of savings or whatever and then they've had to do this other stuff. They've been forced to do online stores and they're like the best businesses. Like, I can't believe I didn't do this before. Like your mother-in-law or your mother with um, (laughs) zero, right? Um, 
so sometimes the, the, that's the drastic action that forces the change. People have to change. Yeah, that's good. Um, are there any key takeaway points that you would, like we've talked about, you know, what advice, but if you could put it down into a small ball and just give it to someone just. Mm. If you struggle with change, you've got to, number one, look back at what you're doing in your business and take a look at yourself. If you're a business owner as a leader and you're not doing things right, if people won't try things, if they won't do things, if they don't want to improve, you've got to look elsewhere. You can't just say it's a problem of change. How do I force people to do something? That's not going to work long term. You know, you can crack the whip, you can you can bribe them, you can do whatever, but you don't want to be bribing people every time. You don't want to be cracking the whip every time. You know, you've got to look at yourself and go, well, what's wrong with my business? What's wrong with my culture? What's wrong with my model? Why can't why aren't people doing what we need to be doing as a business to have happy clients? Um, so you've got to reflect a fair bit as a leader and just go, well, what's what's going wrong with business? And you know, talk to people. I say talk to people. Talk to people and say, like, yeah, I'm having these problems. Like, what's going on? Um, but don't just pick the one that sounds like the the one that you thought was good advice. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that. So, yeah, I'll do that because you said it too. The hard thing, I think, from a business owner or anyone really is to be self-critical yep. and, and look at, okay, every idea I come up with is the greatest idea in the world until I talk to my wife. <laughs> she goes, don't be an idiot, or I talk to you. Yeah. And you go, don't be a moron, that's not going to work. Oh, well, it might be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it might be fair, but it might be the other way around too. You might talk to your partner and um, and they're always saying, oh, that's a bit risky. Yeah. That's not a good person to listen to, you know, because priorities are different. Sometimes to, risk like, is safe too. house, you know, like kids to go, whatever, you know. So it's probably not the person to be talking to about risking a whole bunch of money to make some more money, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think the second thing in summary is being, you know, unhappy with your situation. It's not been like we, t- we talked about gratitude earlier in another podcast and I'm not saying don't do that, definitely do that. But you need to be going, well, how can we do what we do better? How are our clients having a bad ex- experience? What else should we be doing for our clients? Also, how are our direct competitors having clients having a bad experience? Yeah. Because... The reason you get clients is because they've tried somewhere else. Um, when you start a business abundance, it was like, okay, this is the way everyone else is doing it. Let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't set out to do the opposite. I was just like, okay, yeah. well, the problems people have is that they can't talk to someone who either cares or has the opportunity to care mm-hmm. or the skills. So if you wanted business advice, you had to go through a whole bunch of steps an investment and you didn't know whether it's good or bad. Um, if you had an accountant, you'd do your normal stuff. You might ask questions, you might not, but there's a bit of a paywall in between and definitely a time lag. Hmm. Um, you know, in marketing, people are selling individual types of marketing, but they're not sitting back and going, well, yeah, we could do that and that would be good, but if we did this completely other thing, that's going to be the biggest impact. Let's just do that. Um, because you're too busy selling a website to redesign or you're too busy selling Facebook or whatever it is that you do, you know. So for us, it was looking at, okay, well, the business owner is our client. The problem they have is they don't know who to talk to and they want someone that they can trust, they can talk to, that will help them. So that's what we do as a business. They can talk to us, we're available, and we will help them. Um, if we don't know what to do, we will. We know what the problem is and we probably know people that can help them. We can point them in the right direction, but we're not trying to sell them whatever it is that we do just because <laughs> they clicked on an ad or we're hunting them down trying to 
say, do this with us because it's great. That's that's one of the things that led Jay and I to start Plain Black was you look at a whole heap of people selling what they want to sell to people instead of listening for the solution that the client requires. Yeah. You know, we need help with this, so can you help us with that? Yes, we can help you with that. And if we can't help you, it's okay for us to handball you to somebody else and build a community of service providers. Yeah, so some would say that we changed by because of COVID working from home. Well, it's not because of, it's just that was always the plan because it's flexible. People want freedom. People working for me want freedom. They want opportunity. So the only way we can do that is say, well, you work from wherever you want. If you want to go work, get an office. No, no worries. That's fine. Um, you know, half my house is an office is sweet now. Um, so, you know, you can make that happen how you want. Um, but we're listening to our clients. They want good service. They want it to be, I don't have to drive across town, find a car park, sit at reception for 10 minutes, meet with you, talk about chew the fat for half an hour and then get some advice. Then you write it down, send it to me. Then I've got to go back to my car and go home and I'll waste an afternoon. I want to just ring up and say, the world's ending. What do you reckon? <laughs> and you say, yeah, no, I'll be okay. Maybe you should just do this. And 30 seconds later, we're having a good day. That's what people want. So if we can always try to focus on making that service better, that's going to be a good change for our business. But breaking that back into your industry or um, you know, X, Y, Z, it's about going back to what Z said, ask your clients, get a feedback form. What did you like? What didn't you like? What do you think we could do better? Like, I don't care. You're not bad-mouthing us, literally. We just want to know because if we can fix it, we're going to fix it. Hmm. And that's within reason. Like if you over the top of your service and you can't charge a fee, it's not a business model. So within the model. But if clients are always saying, oh, I need this particular question answered ASAP and you're taking a day to answer it. Well, can we do that as a business? Yes, no. No, we can't. Well, we need to make sure when we're getting a client, they know it is a 24-hour response. Because then when they sign up, they agree, they're happy. It's when we're promising too much. Now, how do we change? Do we need a, a system to manage our inquiries and our, our questions to be able to get that response out fast? Do we need more people? Do we need a library or a database people can look at their, you know, search their thing and find the answer themselves? Like, how can you make that faster? That's, that's change you should always be looking at doing. You're always going to have better outcomes if you under-promise and over-deliver. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you maybe you're a retailer, maybe if you sell televisions, right, what's the current situation? You buy a TV, you take it home, maybe you get it delivered, maybe you get it installed. You know, what's that's traditional. But if you ask 20 people that bought a TV what service they would like, it might be very different. It might be, I know I want it set up straight away. Can I, when I get home, just ring you and you just guide me through it over the phone? which is more than possible. Mm -hmm. Does anyone do that? Maybe people do it if they get asked, but they don't offer it. Mm. I remember when I used to sell televisions, and it's talking about me, but it's just an industry so I know, right? Um, people would buy a $10,000 TV, which is a huge sale. They didn't want to wait till mid next week to have it delivered and installed by some delivery driver that doesn't actually know about TVs. They wanted it that night so they could watch the rugby. Or they wanted it that night because they had friends coming around and they watched the movie from, you know, the video shop, <laughs> whatever it was. There was a reason they were buying that TV and it wasn't so they could get it next week when the delivery guy to deliver it. And I just say, oh, no worries, after work, I come around and I'll set it up for you. 
And usually when I got there, they would have had it mostly set up and they're just like, oh, can you check it for me? And then they give me a drink and we have a bit of a chat and then I'll go and that was fine with me at the time, you know, but I made good commission on that too. So, but that as a business, could have we had that where the whole short store shut or everyone got paid an extra hour and they were offering clients, hey, do you want me to come around and check it for you? And I think if, if, you, if, you, if you bought a computer and then the next day someone rang you or went around and said, oh, I just want to make sure you got it set up correctly even if people didn't need it, you're going to get referrals, you're going to get recommendations, you're getting a level service. So it's about asking your customers what do they want and being realistic enough not to go that they've been needy, they've been demanding. How can we implement that change? And then having a team that's on the same page. We're going to wrap this episode up. Um, so next episode we'll be chatting about how you create a community of support around your business. And this is a community that loves and is invested in your business um, and are not one-time customers. They're customers who are with you for your journey. Um, and the value in that is... Tribes. Tribes, yeah. Ooh, Seth Godin. <laughs> yeah. So um, essentially from a monetary point of view, you're looking at not just one customer, you're looking at 10 times that customer. Um, so we're just talking about how we can do that or how you can do that, how you can implement some small little processes in your business, why you need to do it, um, and what your business will probably look like in 10 years time if you do do it. Um, as always, if you have any questions about what we've talked about today, make sure to visit our website and book a catch up. You can visit our website at www.businessabundance.online. We'll look forward to chatting to you next time. Goodbye. So long. Bye.